Well, this morning's message as we continue on in our series in the book of Acts, there's 28 chapters, we call it Acts 29 because you're chapter 29. And I just love this book and this is one of my favorite chapters. I have 28 favorite chapters in this book and this, this, they're all my favorites, right? But this one, each one of them is packed with something special and today we're, uh, you know, just a couple weeks ago we talked about friendly fire. Did that, did that help you at all? Just a few weeks we talked about when we have friendly fire, uh, but today we're going to look at unfriendly fire unfriendly fire when the fire comes from without when adversity comes and we're going to see it and we're going to be looking for four things four things to remember when you're going through times of adversity fire from without in fact you have a little insert if you'll take it out you'll be able to follow along we're going to look for four things there's more than four but we're just going to capture four this morning in the time we have that I think will be an encouragement to you. Some of you are familiar with this chapter. We're going to put the scriptures on the screen of the text so you can follow along. It'll be from the NIV. And then we'll have little subscriptures that we'll be using with each point. I will read those, but you write them down because I'm going to only read parts of them. And when you get home this week, and I hope you do this with the messages that come forth, take time to pray over it and let God continue to speak to you, all right? So let's pick it up here with verse 1, chapter 12. It'll be on the screen for you. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with the approval among the, Ju the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. Now, if this was the, during the festival, we know the city was packed. It was overflowing. Now, who is King Herod? Say, oh, yeah, I remember him, right? Wasn't he in Matthew 2? Remember when Jesus was born? There was King, well, that's a different king. That's King Herod the Great. They're all related here, but this, this is going to be his, his uh, grandson. But remember, King Herod the Great, he tried to kill Jesus. You remember that? And he ended up killing all the little babies of that down in Bethlehem. That was horrible. Then there was this another, another King Herod, Antipa. Uh, in Luke 23, we find him. He's present when Jesus is coming before Pilate. Remember that? In fact, earlier in Matthew, what did Jesus call Herod the Great? called him the fox. Remember that? Go tell that fox. <laughs> so their relationship has always been tense, right? In fact, Pilate did not like he, he didn't like Herod Antipica, and he, they were enemies until Jesus was brought before him. Then these two enemies became friends and in a united purpose. Well, today we're seeing uh, King Herod Agrippa I, and he'll be the nephew, the grandson of, of Herod the Great. And we'll see all through. John the Baptist was beheaded. There's just death reigns in, in this. And what this... I, hope, I want you to be encouraged as we look at these things that we need to do. I want you to understand that they're, they're, the crowd is not always right. You can't go by public opinion. And sometimes politics even, you have to be careful. We have a tendency to trust in politics. But the political winds can change at, at a whim. And don't depend on those wins because sometimes, and just because the crowd's going one way, 
Uh, that doesn't mean anything. We have, to, we have a compass. We have an anchor that we want to tie ourselves to. And so here's the first thing you need to remember when you're under unfriendly fire, when opposition is coming. Know this for sure, that no one is exempt. You are not alone. It's not something weird that's happening to you. Others have experienced it. And it's actually the clash of two kingdoms. There are always two kingdoms in play. There is the kingdom of God and there's the kingdom of man. And they will always clash with one another. And that's what we see around us so often. You're not alone in this. In Mark 10, interesting, we see that we read in our text that James was killed. Who is this? This is the apostle James, all right? He's one of the sons of thunder. Remember, in Mark 10, we found them having an exchange with Jesus, it's that James. It was James and John, the sons of Zebedee. And they came over to Jesus and said, listen, we have a favor to ask of you. We, we'd like to sit with you on your throne. Would that, would that be possible? One on the right and one on the left. Could you work that out for us, you know, since we're close and we're friends? And Jesus turned to them and said, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering that I'm about to drink from? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering that I must be baptized with? And, and the sons of thunder, the, sure, yes. As Jesus said, they didn't know what they were asking. And Jesus turned to them prophetically, maybe even seeing this very day. You will indeed drink from my bitter cup and you will be baptized with the baptism of my suffering. These are the ones who wanted to call fire down out of heaven. And here we find the very first apostle to be martyred. He will be the first, but many will follow. Can you imagine how the church felt? They've already experienced Stephen being stoned. They remember John the Baptist being beheaded. And now beloved James has been run through with a sword. They probably beheaded him. We don't know. But I want you, even though you may never experience that, and I pray you don't, there is all kinds of winds that can blow against us. In 1 Peter 4.12, Peter probably, maybe even you think, remembering this, pinned these words. Don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going, going through as if something strange were happening to you. We don't get a pass. No one is exempt. Jesus told us what it was going to be like. And later on in Peter, he said, but it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. We don't talk much about that today. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. We've been praying for Ryan, who's being held captive overseas. And I notice our prayers are very specific. We want him free. We're praying for justice to be done. But I wonder... I wonder if God's plan might be bigger than that. We have to be careful because we gravitate, we default to personal safety and comfort. I do, don't you? It's what I want. But sometimes, as we know, these things work out for the furtherance of the gospel. And don't be surprised that these things are happening. In fact, it's not on the screen, but if you'll let me, I'd like to read to you what Jesus said in John 15, talking to his disciples. He said this, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of this world, 
But I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. I imagine after Jesus spoke those words, the line got a little shorter, you think? Follow me. Well, I don't know. What are you calling me to? Don't be surprised when these two kingdoms clash. The Lord's Prayer we talked about a couple weeks ago is kingdom come as will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In the text, you could easily say, as it already is in heaven. Jesus was very aware of what was coming, very aware, and he was preparing his disciples. Are you prepared? Don't be surprised when these two kingdoms clash because they will. And be careful where you put your allegiance and where, where you put your trust in this time because I believe some difficult times may be coming for us. In Luke 12, 4 through 5, in the New International Version, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that they can't do anything else. What would you do for self-protection and self-preservation? We gravitate to it, don't we? But Jesus said, don't be, af- don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of people who can just kill you and that's all they can do. I still remember the time when uh, I was ministering to this guy at the prison in, Tope- in uh, El Dorado. He was in the maximum security unit there. He'd been in jail in Israel. He'd been in prison in Israel for threatening. You don't want to threaten Israeli leaders. I th- they're pretty stern about it. But he got out, and then he came here, and he threatened Bob Dole. Did you know that's against the law to threaten? A- <laughs> and they put him in prison, and somehow I got hooked up with him. And I, one day he got mad at me. Didn't like, I wouldn't do something for him. He said, I know where you live. I know where your family is. So I got up, I said, whatever. I went to the authorities. I said, should I be concerned about this? They said, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, in fact, we need to put you on a list. So if he ever gets out, uh, we'll be able, we'll tell you. If you change your number, let us know. I said, sure, yeah. And they said, now go to your local police department and follow the papers there and we'll give you a picture to show them and all that show it to your family so I showed it to my family hey if you see this guy don't talk to him don't talk to him I showed it to my daughter she was a teenager at the time and I said if you see this guy and she said why daddy why I said well he's threatening to kill us I said but don't worry we don't have to worry about people that that's all they can do is kill us I said we'll just go to heaven and I'll never forget what little April said uh uh-uh. uh she said, he could, he could torture us first. I said, good point. <laughs> yeah, right. There are some things in between there that could happen. But, you know, we don't have to be afraid. Of some of, I, I see this fear of death. We saw it during COVID, didn't we? What a fear we have of death. And don't be afraid. He said, then he said this. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after your body has been killed has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Let's keep reading verse 4. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to, the, to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. That's 16. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. 
The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. He was bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. So there were four squads, four soldiers, 16 guys. The reason was they would rotate every four hours. And, and there would be two beside him and two standing watch over the guard, and they had him chained. Was this a difficult situation to be in? <laughs> but what was Peter doing? He was sleeping. Really? Would you be sleeping? It was the night before he would be... See, you got to understand, this Herod was married to a Jewish woman. So he kept tried to keep the law. He, had, he was, had favor among the Jewish people. So he knew what the Passover was all about. He knew the crowds would be there. He knew he had to wait till after. And, and Peter knew it was coming because James had just been killed. And you're next, buddy. You're next in line. We're going to start with the leadership and we're going to work our way down. I don't know about you, but if, if, if I knew that I was on death row and I had 24 hours to live, what would I do? I'm not sure I'd be sleeping, but that's what Peter was doing. Let's pick it up with verse 7. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up. And the chains fell off Peter's wrist. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. Peter did so, and wrap your cloak around you and follow me. Peter followed him out of the prison. But he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. I, I find a lot of things in the scripture. It's a target-rich environment, but I'm thinking here, I see the miraculous, and then I see the natural. Do you see that? I mean... The angel caused the chains to just drop off. And by the way, what happened to the guards? Did they go to sleep? What happened to I don't know. It doesn't tell us. But he made Peter get dressed. Why couldn't he just put his clothes on? Why couldn't he just miraculously do it? Because there's some things God will do and there's some things you're going to need to do. And he followed him. Why didn't he just transport him out of there? If we went this far with it, why not just go to the next level and just have him wake up outside the prison? He wanted him to follow him. There was an act of obedience on Peter's part, but there was a lot of stuff going on. And here's the second thing you got to remember when you're under unfriendly fire. You need to remember to pray and to rest. Do you see it here in the story? To trust that God is at work. Peter wasn't sure what was really happening. He even thought maybe he was having a vision. I, I think God is working sometimes when you don't know it. And I want you to... Un embrace this reality that when you're going through adversity God is at work he will be at work he, you may not see it you may not understand it you may be perplexed by it but you must know he is at work and he is calling us in our part is to pray and to rest and to trust him this is a difficult thing to do when you're under fire like this in Hebrews 11.1 1, I like the New International Version says that we're going to need faith and faith is the confidence of what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. I know I keep quoting Susan's quote that I got from her site, but boy, it's, I've been thinking a lot about it. I think it would come into play here. You need to leave, live in expectation, but don't define it. 
Live with expectation, but don't define it because you can't. You don't know what God is going to do, but you can expect God to move in one way or another. He's even going to use James' death. He can, he's going to use everything. In James 5.16, the New International Version, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for one another. Pray. It's what he wants us to do, that we might be healed. That the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. It availeth much. What's your prayer life like? Do you only pray when you're in trouble, or is prayer something that's part of your life? It's not just something you do, it's something you are. It's intimacy with God. When Jesus died, the veil was written too. We got access, and so we pray. I love to listen to people pray. I've learned a correlation, little prayer, little faith. A lot of prayer, a lot of faith. Prayer is not like faith. Prayer is faith. Saying, God, I, I believe, but how should I pray? And I don't always know what's going on, Lord. Listen, I've, I've said this to you before, but I found it true. Oftentimes I'll pray, God, would you answer my prayer the way I would have prayed if I knew what you knew? That really gives him license, doesn't it? Lord, I don't know. I can't see what you see. So we, I'm praying this prayer, but Lord, I'm really surrendering to you. You just answer my prayer the way I would have prayed it if I knew what you knew. 2 Corinthians 4, 17. For your present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that far outweighs them and lasts forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see. Rather, we fix our gaze on things we cannot see. For the things which we see, the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. I want you to know God is always at work. You can rest in that fact. Are you one who's always in turmoil and uptight? And I listen to people all the time. I hear all this fear coming out of you. Oh, the, what's happening in our government? What's happening? I know. I agree. There's a lot. You watch the news. I'm telling you, you watch news over two hours a day. You're going to be a piece of work. Let me tell you, you're going to be tighter than a top. I don't care if you watch CNN or Fox News. If you get too much of a diet of that, it's going to affect you. You will not be thinking kingdom. You'll be thinking problems. And you see them. But you're not making any room for God to work. And God will oftentimes work in the midst of these things. Are you, are you thinking properly as we approach the problems? I'm not uptight. I'm not discouraged. I'm not afraid. I, I know that God's at work, and I'm in prayer, and I'm resting. I, if Peter can rest locked up, chained to a wall with two guards around him, going to die the next day and sleep, I guess I can do it. Because my situation isn't even close to that. How about you? We need to learn to pray and rest when we're in times of opposition. Let's go to verse 10. It'll be on the screen. Let's keep reading. I love, this is the big escape here. Here it is. And they passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. Were they invisible or what? Uh -huh. It opened for them by itself like they were at Walmart. You know, Phew, the doors just opened and they went through it. And when they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. I know the elephant in the room. Why didn't James get delivered? He was run through with a sword. I don't know, but I know every, both those situations God will work out for the kingdom purposes. I know that. 
And I, and I think Peter knew that. Either way, he wins. I love the fiery furnace, don't you? When the three Hebrew boys said to the king, our God is able to deliver us out of this fire. Don't stop reading. But even if he doesn't, he's delivered us out of your hands, O king. That's an eternal perspective. That's how you face these type of opposition. Let's go on, verse 12. When this, had, when this had dawned on Peter, that was for real, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark. John Mark, we'll see him later. There were many people that gathered there and they were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. And when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back into the house explaining Peter is at the door. I'm glad Rhoda's in here, aren't you? I'm glad to just say some girl. She's got a name. God do her. Rhoda, I can't wait to get to heaven. Where's Rhoda? I want to meet Rhoda. I want to know about this young lady. Well, she runs into the house. Hey, Peter's at the door. They're praying for his release, right? You're out of your mind, they told her in verse 15. But she kept insisting that it was so. They said, well, it must be his angel. It must be his spirit. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them, Shh, be quiet, don't make a lot of noise. And he described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this. And then he left for another place. See, he's on the lamb now. Shh, don't make a lot of noise. They're going to be looking for me, right? This is amazing. I love this story. And here's Peter. I had this thought. I told Connie the other day. I said, it was easier to, for Peter to get out of prison than to get into this prayer meeting, wasn't it? You ever had that experience at church? <laughs> They're praying for his release, and then they don't believe it. Anybody here in that boat? Oh, we're praying. When it happens, I just can't believe it happened. Well, weren't we praying? He told them to be quiet. I don't, this is why I think James wasn't there. They were in his mom's house, but he wasn't there. He was out ministering. He said, be sure to tell James and the others what happened here tonight. Here's the third thing you need to know. When you're, un, when you're in unfriendly fire, always give God the glory. Always give God the glory. Know this, that you're in the middle of a testimony in the making. Even James as a testimony. He was faithful to the end. He gave up his life. He laid it down. That's a testimony. And there will be many in heaven, we see it in Revelations, who are under the table where the martyrs are. And they have a special place in heaven. And they cry out, how long, O Lord? It's his testimony. Peter now has a testimony. You have a testimony. The experience you're going through right now, as difficult as it might be, Julianne, you have a testimony. Revelations 12, 11 says this, and they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. It is our testimony. Philippians 1, 14. And because... Of my imprisonment, Paul said, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message. 
you, when you go through tough times, did you know people are watching you? And you can give them hope and confidence because of how you respond? I mean, I don't know about you, but if I was them and I heard Peter was sleeping next to the guards, I'd go, wow, really? Yeah. And then God did this. And what about James? Oh, James, he, he died in faith. He did not waver. John the Baptist, the same. It can happen to us. You know, bad things. People are dying all around the world for their faith. We live in this little cocoon here, and we think it's all messed up, but you're, you're relatively in a safe place. That may not last. In 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 11, this is a scripture I love to read. Paul says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. See, we're going to give God glory in the midst of the struggle, before anything ever happens. But then he says this, he comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God gave us. When you're in trouble, who do you want to talk to? I want to talk to somebody who's never been through it. No, I want to follow somebody that walks with a limp, who's been in the battle, because I draw strength from them. I want to hear your story. In verse 6, even when we, how many of you have ever said God won't give you more than you can handle? Well, hear this. Paul said, even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for our comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. We were crushed. We were overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. Ever been there? In fact, he said, we expected to die. But as a result, we stop relying on ourselves and we learn to rely on God who raises the dead. That's an eternal perspective. And verse 11, and you are helping us by praying for us and then many people will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety. Wow. Now let's finish the chapter. If we were watching a movie, you'd have to cover the kid's eyes here because it gets a little interesting, a little gory even. What happens next? On the screen, verse 18, in the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had thoroughly made a search for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. See, that's why the guards were so upset, because if you were guarding somebody and they escaped, you would die. You would face the same fate they would. So these guards had skin in the game, right? Hey, we got to find Peter or we're gonna, we won't go home for dinner tonight. Look at verse 20. Almost like we switch gears, but we're seeing this Herod. He had been quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon. They now joined together and sought an audience with him. After securing the support of Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for peace because they depended on the king's country for their food and supply. I want you to get the image here. The king is holding food as a weapon. He's holding back food from hungry people. Interesting. What's the church doing? What are they doing? We've been reading about it. They're taking up offerings. Remember, there's a famine in the land. And so they're taking up offering. They're providing food. See the clash of two kingdoms. 
what a, what a parallel. And here, here he is. It's, and they had an inside guide that they could get an entrance. Well, here's their meeting, verse 21. And on the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, this is the voice of a God and not of a man. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. That's a positive note to end on today, isn't it? Glory to God. Josephus, a historian from that time, actually writes about this. He even claims in his writings it took five days for Herod to die. You say, did God do this? You betcha. But keep reading. Verse 24, 25. But the word of God continued to spread and flourish. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. Here's our last and final point. Don't ever forget it when you're going through opposition. God will always have the final word. There is always a seat sowing and reaping. Even with something that's coming against you, don't try. Listen, God tells us here in Romans 12, Paul spoke New International Version. He said it straightforward. He said, don't take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, your part is, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. What's he saying? This is so hard for us especially as Americans. Man, injustice, we're going after it, man. We're going after it. You know, God loves justice. We're, this isn't right. This isn't fair. And, and oftentimes we, come on, tell me, have you ever sought revenge with someone who's done you wrong? Have you ever sought it out? It's kind of a natural reaction, but through the scriptures, God says, I don't want you to pick that up. I'm going to take care of that. He will avenge. God will balance the books. That's what I want you to know. might not look like it right now, and you might feel like the odds are really... Listen, trust God to have the final word. God's going to do it. He's going to have the last word. He's going to balance the scales. David struggled with this in Psalms all the time. Why did the, why did the unjust prosper? Why, Lord, this seems backwards. It seems upside down. Sure it does. But know this, when you're in that situation, and everything looks contrary to hope, God will have the final word. In Proverbs 20, verse 22, don't say I will get even for this wrong. Wrong. Wait for the Lord to handle the matter. Can you trust him to do it? Do you think he's not doing a good job? You want to help him out? How many of you, if you'd have been to church in that day when you saw Herod get eaten by worms, went hot diggity dogs? No, in fact, we should respond with brokenness. We don't want to see the wicked suffer. We want to see them come to salvation. But you must know, time does run out for people. And in this reign of these Herods, uh, am I the only one that sees it? Herod the Great is dead. This nephew's dead. The son of Herod's dead. They're all dead. But God's church is moving on. And oftentimes it'll look like, man, things aren't going well for us. Stephen's dead, James dead, yep. Peter's in prison, they're going to cut off his head, yep. Hey, trust God, trust God. It's bigger than us. It's more than we can handle, but that causes us to trust him more. In Galatians 6, 7, 10, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. 
you will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. Didn't we just see it? It's what's coming. That's why the gospel is so important to get out, even to your enemies. They need to hear this. Otherwise, they will reap it. They'll reap death. We were dead, but God saved us and brought us to life. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. What's your one thing today? We're going to come to the table this morning and we're going to reflect on that familiar scripture because in the end, this is our foundation, is it not? God has saved us by grace when we believed. We were just like Herod, no better. Can't look down our nose at anyone. No, it is by his grace. You can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us, none of us can boast about it. Amen? It is by his grace alone. Father, I know there are those here who have been in difficult situations. Adversity has come their way. But I pray today we can remember from this text that we are not alone and we should not be surprised when these two kingdoms clash. And we need to put our trust, not in political systems, but in the kingdom of God. Help us to pray and rest and trust in you. And as we do that, may we give you glory and honor and praise. Even when we're in the middle of it, before we see anything, we may not even understand what is going on, but we can praise you in advance and we will give you glory. And we will stand in that reality that you are the one who will have the final word. It's not up to us to fix it. We're here to proclaim the message of the gospel, the good news. And we're going to walk in it today. And we're going to pause right now and celebrate this precious gift that you have given to us. And we declare it is not by our own strength, but it is a gift by your grace and your mercy. And we thank you for it. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. As you prepare to take the cup and bread, we must read the next verse in Ephesians, verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things, the good works. He has planned for us long ago. He has predestined us. Did you know that? Did you know your life has purpose? It all started at this, what this table represents is the starting place for us. This week, my wife and I went to Longton, Kansas to officiate a funeral. It was the wife of the first wedding I did as a pastor in 1974 with the Salvation Army. I remember this couple. She was 11 years older than him, and he met her at Leaker's IGA in the produce department. She had four children. In fact, my daughter's named after one of them. My son is named after their son. God connect us together. 
and we had to say goodbye. Never, it, it was brought back a lot of memories, and and I was thinking, and the husband, y'all, you know, I'm into one words, right? Give me one word, one word. And he came up. I didn't prime him, but he said, Pastor Joe, I got one word today from the Lord. Standing next to his wife's casket. I said, what is it? Orchestration. Orchestration. We prayed together. And it hit me. God has predestined us for works that we know nothing about. When Connie and I walked across the stage in Chicago in 1973 and and we saluted the commissioner and he told us, Lieutenant and Mrs. Voss, you are going to Wichita, Kansas. And Harold and I were talking. What if he just said you're going to Kansas City? What if the commissioner said you're going to Michigan or Indiana? It could have been anywhere in the central part of the United States. And all our classmates went everywhere. But we went to Wichita, Kansas. We didn't even know where Wichita, Kansas was. And Daryl said this to me. You know, if they'd have said something else, we wouldn't know each other. People in this room, we wouldn't know each other. Do you understand how important your life is? If you take one piece out of it, everything changes. I wouldn't know you. I wouldn't know Malcolm. I wouldn't know Julianne. I wouldn't know any of you. All because somebody said, Lieutenant Mrs. Voss, you are going to Wichita, Kansas. I want you to know your life is that significant. And when you take this cup and bread today and you think about maybe the adversity that may be coming our way in the future, know you've been chosen, you've been selected for this time and this place. Don't you let your head hang down. Don't you be discouraged. Don't you be afraid. This is your moment. God has saved you. You are his masterpiece. You are his workmanship. And he has prepared you for good works that have been predestined. You're not saved by works. You're saved for works. What are they? I don't know, but I want you to get out of this place knowing you're a person of destiny. And God has ordained your steps. Man, I look back. I just, I was flooded with emotion this week. Like, whoa. That's incredible. I never thought. And all these people and all these stories. My daughter would have a different name. I want you to ponder that and just go, wow. And when you drink this cup and bread, know God is ordering your steps. You're not here by accident. And there's a lot yet to do. No matter what happens around us. We have purpose. James had purpose. Peter had purpose. So do you. Father, we receive this cup and bread and we celebrate the work you've done. We celebrate the work you're doing. We see the past. We see the present. We see the future. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for your precious gift. In Jesus' name. with me if you're able. I want to remind you to read ahead next week. We'll be in Acts 13. 
It's the church that's going to learn how to say goodbye. It's a church that doesn't measure itself by how many people they gather, but how many people they send. Amen? And I don't know what God's got planned. I don't know where he's sending us. I don't know. I'm kind of excited about the future. God, I get up every, you got to get up every day. Lord, what do you have for me today? What is it? What's my, what, I know that I got my schedule, but who knows what's in that? And there's things in between those lines, and I just can't wait to see what's going to happen. So we've heard these words today. God is washing out the debris of our life. He's dancing over us. We know he's faithful, and even though we're overwhelmed, God's there with us. I think he's getting us ready, right? This is our day. I want you to claim it. Stop whining. Stop complaining. Stop being a fearful. Get rid of your critical spirit. I think the tsunami will take care of that for you if you need it to. You should be at the top of your game right now. Amen. Hallelujah. I hope you see this. I hope you do. I'm, I'm juiced. I'm juiced. I'm ready to move forward. I want to finish this game well. And I'm going to play to the last whistle sounds. How about you? Amen. You've been chosen. Father, I pray your blessing over this congregation. They are chosen. They are your sons and daughters. We are brothers and sisters. You've called us together. You did this. You did this. And even Peter, when he told his story, he didn't say he did this or he did that. He declared your goodness and your power and your majesty. He didn't point to himself, but he pointed to you, and that's what we're doing right now. And we, the, our days are, great days are ahead. And we're going to live them to the fullest. Doesn't matter what happens politically as much as it does what happens in your kingdom. Because these kingdoms will collide. They will. But you will help us as we navigate through it. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you need prayer today, we'll stay behind as long as necessary. You need healing in your body. I'll anoint you with all. Pray the prayer of faith. Steve's here. He'll come up. His wife's not here with him today. But he'll come and pray. And I'll tell you, if you've never had anybody speak into your life, this is the man. Steve, if you want to come on up here, that'd be great. And we'll be up here. Just take, don't rush off and visit with one another. Amen. But I do want you to do this. I want you to go knowing God's love and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is for us. Amen. You ready? All right, let's go. God bless you. Thank you. See you next week.